Hi, I'm Elvis Duran. I'm honored to be Justin's man of the hour, an entire hour with just Justin and me talking about relationships and keeping it light and keeping it fun and wondering what our purpose is all about. God, I hope we find it. Got it. <laughs> Elvis Duran. Uh, you know, let's let's get to know you, find out how you've built such an extraordinary career uh, and give people a run for their money who are tuning in right now. But I got to say thank you for saying yes to join me on this episode, man. It's a pleasure. It's good to be here. It's good to be anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I've heard you say that once or twice. <laughs> it, but it's so true. You know, my dad used to say that when I was a kid. It was one of those things. You're like, oh, dad, stop saying that over and over. And then after my dad passed away, yeah. I realized he's nowhere now. <laughs> so it's, it's like he had a point. You know? To be anywhere, yeah. And I think a lot of it too, when you think about it, especially in a time like this, we're, we're almost like two and a half years into this thing where you know a lot of it is remote. Every interview I've done on this show has been through a Zoom call. I've watched plenty of your episodes as well. Everything's just remote and virtual. But uh, and, and I want to talk about that with you a little later too when it comes to the human connection and how you're able to build such a strong rapport with literally anybody. I feel like you're you're one of those people who we, we look at and listen to. It's like, dang, I bet he could talk to like a fly on the wall and make it his best friend. Um, so before we get into all that though, I know that there there's a lot more to Elvis Duran than people think. Uh, meet the microphone or the eye when we watch you. Uh, so if you can start, man, I just, I'm curious. And I know a lot of people listening right now, are probably curious what your day-to-day -day looks like. Besides your team, I don't even know who else would understand how you live your, your explosive day-to-day -day, um, from whatever time you wake up to whenever you go to bed. So what does that look like for you? It, it's interesting because my day-to-day -day changes. It depends on if I'm here at home in this studio with this really cheap background. <laughs> Or if I'm in the city and I'm going into the studio, you know, it, I, you know, when pandemic hit, we all got our broadcast kits and were sent home immediately. We didn't even miss one day. Mm. And uh, which says a lot about our, about our incredible engineering team. Got home and I have this house out here in the country. I, believe, I was only out here maybe once a month mm -hmm. for the weekends. I lived in the city. And uh, so I'm like, okay, this is nice. I brought the dogs out and we, I'm cooking every day and, you know, pandemic life out here was great. It's a beautiful spot, mm. but it was that connectivity that I th thought I wasn't missing. I really was. And you don't realize right. that until you get back into your office and with your friends and with the people you work with, you realize you really need it. It's, it's that, it's that energy you need. Mm. And um, so now in answer to your question, what is my day like? If I'm out here, I wake up, grab a shower, feed the dogs, let them out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Grab some coffee. I have a, a one minute commute down the staircase. Yeah. And, and even living out here, I mean, I am late to work sometimes. I don't know. There's, there's no traffic. But if I'm in the city, I, I get to the studio about a quarter till showtime. It's, it's mm. that late. And then walk in and then we, we're all together and we're just hugging each other and probably transmitting all sorts of diseases. <laughs> but it, so the routine changes depending on where I am. Yeah. The thing is, is here, as you and I will experience in a moment, when our show's over, I put I push leave now on the Zoom mm -hmm. and my best friends I've been with for four hours are gone and it's total silence. Mm. In the city, we go out for an early lunch and have cocktails and have fun, you know. So yeah. other than that, you know, that's probably the six to 
6 a.m. to 12 noon look of every weekday. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as simple as it was, I feel like it's taken years to build that. I mean, you talk about your team already, and I'm already starting to think that you guys have such a dynamic, which is why your show and your brand is so successful now. Uh, so if we can go into that, I mean, I feel like that's that's the secret sauce to anybody who wants to be you know, radio personality, actor, model, whatever you want to do, you know, and, and this being somewhat of a self-development vertical for a podcast. I'm almost curious now, if you're tuning in, uh, I got to thank you for clicking play first of all, but also with Elvis, I, you know, can you describe that dynamic of your team? I mean, listen, not many people leave work and say, Hey, let's go get lunch and an early, you know, cocktail together after we finished a four hour, you know, session. It's community is what it is, you know? And like I said, when the community is taken away from you, you don't really know how important it is until you finally get a taste of it when it comes back. Mm. Um, I work with the best, the best we're all very good friends. We all rely on each other beyond this show uh, mm-hmm. on, on more of a personal level. Uh, but when we come together, it's just, you know, I, I remember when the pandemic first started and we would end the show and I would push the leave now button on the Zoom room because we were Zooming four hours a day. This is how yeah. we do it when at home. And I were, the, the loneliness I would feel um, and, and I would crave the next day. I would crave being back on Zoom with these people. Mm. Um, and I think that's how we all are. And that's how our show has become successful, I believe. And all and mm. any anyone who listens to any audio on their commute in the morning, that's how that audio source became successful because mm. people need a friend. Mm. It's it's an old, it's the oldest story on, on earth, right? People need mm-hmm. a friend. People need to, someone to talk to, someone to listen to. Mm. If someone's driving to work in the morning and they're leaving a really crappy relationship at home oh, yeah. and looking forward to being at the office to get away from it or the opposite. They're mm-hmm. leaving a great home life to go to a bad office life. We're, th- we're there on that bridge between the two. We can, mm. it, it, we have people we call the chemo club who are actually listening to our show while on the way to chemo chemotherapy, which is a, what a tough day they're having. Right. Oh, I know. But they, they rely on us to be there. We are their community. It's, it's like just friendship is all it is. And, and what we do, our type of audio content distribution, otherwise known as radio, <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a different medium than any other else, any other medium out there. We are live. It's not re- most of it's not recorded. Mm. And we're in the moment. And you could text me right now and saying, hey, what you just said, I don't like what you said. And I can immediately come back to you on this microphone and say, oh, my God, you just told me you don't like something I said. Let's mm. talk about it. What other medium can you can you find that? You can't. So community is what it's all about. Gosh, I I love that because I mean, we, when we listen to your voice, it's one thing, but then knowing that that's what you hold at the foundation is another. So then I have to ask you now, I mean, if you think about the responsibility that you have as a radio DJ with your team and as someone who's become this massive personality around the world, do you, how do you handle that? If, if it's pressure, if it's somewhat of a responsibility that, you know, you hold in literally in people's ears as they're driving, like you had said to chemo, uh, how do you handle that? Um, well, with honor, you know, I mean, if someone is going to give me five minutes to four hours of their day every day, mm. I think I, I owe it to them to, to say, here's something hopefully you'll like. You know, yeah. Look, we have such a diverse listening audience. It, it, the age, age span is from 12 years old to 92 years old. Mm. And uh, all these different dem- demographics in between those two ages, what they have in common, that's hard to find. Yeah. So we just have to kind of throw it out there and use our gut instinct to say, okay, 
obviously we're keeping them. We're doing really well as far as the ratings go and all that stuff, mm. all that business stuff, which I don't like to think about, but there is a responsibility. <laughs> My responsibility is this, you know, we, we have done our best to kind of lead our show away from political strife and political this and that. And it's been tough because someone would say, well, as broadcasters, we have a responsibility mm. to, to be a, a voice piece for the things going on in society. And I'm thinking there are so many voice pieces out there. Maybe we should be in the middle somewhere. Maybe we should mm. offer people a place to go when they're tired of hearing people beating the hell out of each other. You know, yeah. that's what we do. That's our responsibility. Wow. Well, that that's incredible because I feel like people are always leaning left or right on something. I had this conversation the other day and, and politically or not, it's always going to be one side or the other and something we do right. with your show is neither. And so how have you managed to kind of keep it in that? I mean, but obje objectivity, that's the word, right? Objectivity. You know, that's always been kind of what I would believe to be the foundation of journalism, storytelling, radio, TV, you know, as, as content's being produced. And, and so how have you guys managed to be so objective? Would you say? Well, uh, thank you for accusing us of being objective. <laughs> you know, uh, I, first and foremost, if you turn to us as a major news source, you're not going to get in-depth news coverage yeah. of anything. We do three headlines at the top of every hour and that's about it. And we don't go deeper than that. Mm. Uh, our show, someone would argue, does have a lean to it. You know, we, we're, you know, I'm a, I'm a gay guy when I have a, I have an, an Indian uh, co-host, I have a mother co-host and I've got, you know, we, we come from a whole, all over the spectrum of, of beliefs mm. and we get along with each other. You know, we have some people on our show that are re registered Republicans. We have some that are registered Democrats but we don't cancel each other because we disagree on things. Mm. But as you know, we live in a world where if you do, and I don't agree on all of the boxes, then you're yeah. out of my life. Mm. I can't do that. I, I need people to listen to our show. And in doing so, you know, I, I find it's easier for us to stop down, shut up and listen to what people have to say. Mm. And I may not agree with you, but we can still be friends and you can still listen to our show and laugh and forget about the, the BS in your life. You know, mm, yeah, it goes back to what you said. Everybody needs a friend. I want to get to that a little <laughs> later, too. I feel like we're we're living in a time where it just seems like everybody's kind of feeling that loneliness syndrome. And a lot of that's the pandemic or what had surfaced up afterwards. Uh, but before we get into that, you know, keeping it light and fun. That's that's your brand. I feel correct me if I'm wrong. You have something about the way that you've been able to bring people uh, like you had said, whether it's the three top headlines quickly or you're interviewing a huge artist on the show. There's something about the method there that is keeping it life light and fun. Would you say is part of the practice that you've always wanted to, you know, give, give out to audiences and people? Oh, absolutely. I mean, keeping it light and fun is our, is well, that's the rule of thumb mostly, but I'll give you this story. Then this is going to be anything but light and fun. When I'm, I remember when I was walking to work to our studios in downtown Manhattan, the morning after there was a school shooting in Florida that left kids and faculty members dead. I'm about to walk into the studio with this microphone and I have a responsibility to talk about this. Mm. How does the goofy light and fun guy handle this? Well, you don't expect to turn on the prices, right? And expect <laughs> them to be playing Planko and then telling you about this awful thing that happened the night before. Mm -hmm. So we do have a responsibility when it comes to stories like that 
to reach out, say we understand, show support for families. And I was thinking, well, who are we? Do I really want to start the day off talking about gun control? Um, but we can talk about teachers. Mm. And so all the story turned into the, the faculty members at that school that day that saved kids' lives and kept them together. Mm-hmm. We decided, well, let's, let's recognize the fact that these educators are more than just going in and opening up textbooks and saying, learn this. Mm. I'm going to grade you on it. They're there for many other reasons. These kids have horrible home lives. Maybe they're not getting nutrition at home. They need to come to school to eat or well, whatever. There's a whole story there. Mm-hmm. So that's the morning we discovered Donors Choose, this organization where you can donate money. It will go to these teachers' classrooms and help them pay for supplies that school systems can't afford. Mm-hmm. So we turned a school shooting into a time to let's support the people who are there for these kids. Mm. when they were going through the worst day of their lives. And so that's the way we can take something that's very serious and turn it into something that is still very serious, but we can help others. Mm. And so keeping it light and funny and fresh is what we try to do. But in the real world, you can't do that every day. You know who was a master at that was Mr. Friggin' Rogers. Yeah. I don't know if you, I don't, Mr. Rogers, maybe before your time, you know, I'm not sure, but <laughs> All the documentaries that came out about him later showed that he would go in and talk about race relations mm-hmm. to kids. He would talk about it. He would talk about what it's like having a kid in your school who is in a wheelchair, you know, and he'd have a kid in a wheelchair on his show to talk about these very serious subjects. At the same time, he was mm-hmm. teaching love and compassion and he was Mr. Rogers, you know? Yeah. I, I can't be Mr. Rogers, but I guess we're the modern day attempt at trying to use that as a template. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I'll accuse you of being the modern day Mr. Rogers then. No, please don't. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Sort of like that. Yeah. The reason I bring up light and fun is just because like when people are tuning into something, they almost want that escape escapism factor, which is essentially what you mentioned earlier, you know, going to chemo, getting away from like a a home life that you're not so comfortable with, or maybe you're dealing with something and you just want something else to distract you uh, to a certain extent. And a lot of times with radio, especially your show, you think about the music component too. So I want to, I want to get into that uh, really quickly with you as to like the, the types of music, not only just genres, but the people that you've been able to meet over your entire career and, and what that has meant to you in terms of your escapism when it comes to music. I just always think music is therapy. And so would you say the same? And then from your experiences, what's been most like the, the highlight of being able to interview, you know, people who are bringing that music to life? Well, being a fan of music, is a great foundation. And I am, I mean, I listen to all types of music, you know, and, and I can get just as, as, as turned on by, you know, Dua Lipa as I yeah. can with, with, uh, go back, Aretha Franklin, you know, I, all of it, you know, I, I have no pattern when it comes to music taste, but here's something I learned late in my career. I mean, they would say, Elvis, we have Paula Abdul coming in. This mm-hmm. is an, obviously an old, an old, older show i'm like okay great what do we talk about let's talk about her song so i would come in she would come in i would ask the same questions i would ask all artists hey tell me about your album hey what influenced you to write these songs hey were you going on on concert uh, tour okay thanks for coming in Mm -hmm. i never really liked doing interviews until one day i realized that these people who are creating this art have a story behind it Mm. and and they can tell you like having charlie puth on to describe how he writes a song God, how does a human being have a mind like that? I mean, he's insane. 
you can sing a note. Uh, he can tell you exactly yeah, what yeah. note. <laughs> and he's a beatbox. He's amazing. And But then I learned another thing about interviewing these artists is not only can they tell you about the process in which they find the art, you can actually apply their process to your life and find things in your life that can turn you on. Mm. And, you know, for, for all of us who seem to be living this Groundhog Day existence where it's the same thing every day, you wake up, yeah. you go to work, you mm. come home, you go to bed. There could be other things you're peppering into your day and you can learn from these artists and how they create. You can create things for yourself. And I think that during this pandemic, especially, God, mm. you know, either you have been stagnant or mm. you have gone backward and gained weight and become an alcoholic, a functioning alcoholic, <laughs> like me, or... <laughs> Or you have moved forward and started side hustle businesses yeah. and you're getting no. creative and you're finding you're actually going out for walks and things. Yeah. And so in interviewing these artists, you learn how they applied their need to create and you can apply it to yourself. And mm. there's a lesson to be learned with every interview. So my love of music, my love of artists, this is actually a new like 15 year thing for me. I've been doing this since I was 14. So that's been many years. Yeah. I wish I didn't learn so late in life, but eh, you, know. <laughs> you uh, yeah, I, 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 when I listen to you and when I watch you, there's this upbeat sense of passion. And if we could talk about that for a moment, I think passion will always lead to success if you're, if you're driving it with ambition. And what I mean by that is like, if you don't care about it, you, you will not want to do it. And like you had said with whoever's experiencing Groundhog's Day, who might be listening to this too, you just, you get to a point where you're like, all right, well, what am I doing? You know, what, what am I living for? I mean, all of our parents have asked that question to us, like, what, what's your purpose? What do you want? Or, you know, it could be as your friends or whoever you're around. And so with regard to purpose for you, uh, if, if you could, and you know, you don't, you don't have to like give a definite answer on this, but if, if there was a purpose as to what you've done with your career, what would that be? Purpose is always changing, by the way, it's always evolving. Hmm. Um, I don't want to get too long winded, but I, I'll tell a story quickly on September 10th. 2001 I didn't know what the hell I was doing with my life I'm coming in every day I'm playing the same songs over and over we're talking about fart jokes and we're telling <laughs> we're talking cheating on the on the internet back then and we, I'm like and I was actually considering just quitting what we're doing all together on September 11th 2001 we realized mm what our purpose is and that's to serve the community on september 11th while we watched before of us before us planes hitting towers and towers coming down and lives being lost people turned to us i mm. walked in that morning every phone i was ringing at 5 30 a.m people asking hey can you help me find my dad never came home yesterday he worked in tower two hey we're trying to walk home we're on the new jersey turnpike can someone pick us up and take us to to a Delaware, hey, we need food to give to people who are going over to Ground Zero to work on, on mm -hmm. recovery. And I'm like, this is our purpose. This is why we're on the air today. This is, okay. The day before it was fart jokes and playing the mm -hmm. same song over and over, you know? And I realized at that point there is purpose. And even though we thank God we don't have towers falling and planes flying into buildings right now, mm -hmm. you do have people who are driving to work every day who are living a disaster. And my purpose is to like give you a couple of minutes where you can, you can hear a fart joke or we can talk yeah. about something that, that ignites a fuel or something. So that purpose is there. My purpose is always evolving. And I'll freely admit to you, like right now, I'm 57 years old. I've been doing this morning show for over 25 years at Z100 and now around the world. Mm. 
I'm ready to switch it up. Yeah. It needs to be different. I, I'm not done with it. I'm not ready to hang the headphones up and say goodbye. Yep. But I got to find a, a new level of purpose. And that's what I'm looking for. And it's hard. It's, it's a challenge. So imagine, give me, yeah. did, call me. If you have a call of us. You need purpose. If you don't have it, like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. You have purpose. Look at you. I'm, I'm, I'm observing your, your room behind you. Where are you exactly? My bedroom. Okay. Yeah. And I see a collage of pictures with friends or something over oh, your yeah. right shoulder. Yeah. I see cityscape uh, black and whites over your left shoulder. Mm-hmm. I see a, a lamp in the corner. Yep. It's some sort of certificates hanging on the wall. What are, what are those certificates? University of Tennessee and the uh, International Radio Television Society. Some class. There's a society? We have a society? <laughs> yeah, I think they tried to recruit you a long time ago if you've heard the name Joyce Tudrin. <laughs> Wow. They do the I, giants I of broadcasting that. and all those events, the award shows and stuff. So, so let me ask you this in just this small screen I'm seeing of you, is this you? I mean, obviously you love cityscapes. Our, what yeah. city is, That's what New city York. is that? Broke, yeah. Broken that, out into three little canvases. Right. And you're, 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 you're proud of your accomplishments. You oh, have a certificate. Goal. Yeah. I love Tennessee. You know, a lot of people get these certificates and they just go, Oh, that's nice. And they put them away and never to see them again. Yeah. And, and what, what story is that collage telling? Oh gosh. That's a 10 year old picture frame that I keep swapping in and out of. Uh, there's about 25 pictures in there. Just people, people that I love, um, friends, family, colleagues, but I just, I leave it right there until I can hang it up. Okay. So it's taking space or is it telling me my point is this Yeah. in this small <laughs> little square that we're seeing of you yeah. is any of your purpose on the wall behind you? Yeah, I think uh, connecting to, to people that's always been it's why I think that's why I got into media, but yeah, so this is why I need to change this. This has got to go. I mean, I love Mercedes, <laughs> what, what a wonderful automobile this is. I'm not, and they've been very good sponsors of ours. Yeah, <laughs> this logo is old. We just we changed this logo. This logo know, is yeah, 10 it. minutes ago. Yeah, and little, you have these dumb little see these little rivets that hold this cardboard together. Yeah, it's so beautiful rivets, by the way. <laughs> oh. Anyway, so <laughs> having purpose, the reason to actually get out of bed every day, yeah. but more important than that, be satisfied with the day you just had as you get back into bed that night. Mm. That's what we're all craving for. That's what we all need. And sometimes if you're so dulled down by masks and living in a COVID world, yeah. you forget about your purpose. It's more about survival and baking banana bread, you know? There's, mm. there's gotta be more. And so I know I'm not alone with, with over 4 million people per month, leaving their jobs to go so, to new jobs oh or yeah. to be unemployed. Obviously people shift in purpose is, is changing, right? Mm-hmm. So re reconnect with your purpose. I know I'm doing it and it's, it's a scary thing, but fright and excitement. There's a thin line between the two, right? Yeah. No, fright and excitement. I mean, you mentioned you, you're you kind of on that discovery path right now. And for yeah. you, do you think it'll be in, in radio or media at all? This, yes. this next oh, adventure? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the thing is, is I work for a company that takes such good care of us. Mm. Every resource we need, they're there for us. They support us. They're our cheerleaders. So to to walk away from iHeart would, I don't want to do that. But I know, I know iHeart has other things I can do. So we're trying to figure that out. Maybe in addition to what I'm doing. I don't know. Enough about me. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is your episode. Wait, okay, fine. How about you and? 
you and the people in your life, you and the people that you've been able to build community with. Uh, I take you as a relationship guy just in general, uh, but in order to build real relationships, that's a skill. And you know this because you've your your job is to do that, but not just for the job. I would imagine if you're going out with your team after uh, you know work to go get lunch and drinks, you also are just good at that in life. And it's something that I wanted to base your episode around just a little bit, so that people fully understand. As someone who take it as an extra uh, extrovert or introvert, a lot of people struggle to build genuine relationships, especially in an entertainment or media business, for instance, where it's a lot about the competition and how you feel about building a career, and everything's kind of that give and take, tug of war. And so all that aside, when you think about building relationships in general, is there like practices or methods that you can help us understand as someone who's so good at it? Because I feel like that's something to be said just about how, I guess what we can learn from like you talking through how you build relationships. Well, and I appreciate that. I don't, I don't consider myself the guru of anything. Um, I do have an idea as I speak to this guy who's drinking water out of a carton <laughs> That paying attention to people and being curious, being curious about people, noticing little things. Yeah. Like I've had art, and sometimes he can get you in trouble. I've had, I, I'm not going to say who it was. I had an artist come in one day and the way our studio in the city set up, I'm here and the, the artist is right here. So it was this good mm. camera angle of us talking to each other. And I was looking down at his hands. He had bitten every single nail off of his fingers. Mm-hmm. Do you bite your nails? No, I don't. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I actually... I actually, I included it in the interview. We were talking about, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I said, by the way, I, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm going to talk about something on a little different level. Mm. He's like, what's that, Elvis? I said, you bite your nails. Talk about that. Are you nervous? Like, are you a nervous human being? I mean, yeah. And he, for a second, felt like he was put on the spot. And for a second, mm-hmm. I felt like, well, that was a dumbass question, but it was sort of interesting. And then it opened up a whole new conversation. Mm-hmm. I was curious about his life. He looked at me after the interview and said, hey, you know what? Thank you for asking me something other than about my dating life and whatever. Yeah, yeah I have anxiety going. We all we all have a, a different levels of anxiety. He said, I've been biting the living hell out of my nails lately. And he said, you're the only person who's actually pointed that out. And he said, by you saying that, it makes me want to pay more attention to my anxiety and try to like work through yeah. it. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll take credit for it. I'll take yeah. your copay, <laughs> bring it. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, being curious about people. And of course, this is an interview directed at me. So I'm talking a lot and Mm. I'm used to being the one who interviews. And so I used to have a fright of being interviewed because I don't don't want to say anything about me. I want to talk about you, Mm. but there is an interviewer in all of us. And I think Mm. if you're working in accounting or you're, you're, you're a nurse or you're working the front lines in a hospital or you're a cashier or something, you should be interviewing your friends and like you'll find out so much about them and they will look at you and go, wow, you're a good listener, you know, even though you may not be. <laughs> no way. You hit, yeah. You bring up a good point. I, I think both of us have probably been told that as we ask questions to folks, you know, I, this was a couple of years ago now that I remember hearing that the, uh, I guess the common person, anybody wants to talk about themselves. So it's interesting that you didn't, and probably still today, don't like to talk about yourself. Why is that? Is it because you've always interviewed folks or is it just, you know, something instinctual? Well, you know, I guess laying it all out there for many years for me was difficult to do. I, I would host a show with six, five or six characters around me. And I was always just kind of like the, the master of ceremonies. I would just turn mm. to them 
And I really never talked about my dating life. I was never really out on the radio. It wasn't because I was closeted. It was just, I just didn't want to, I didn't talk about my life at all. And then when I started going through crazy dating times, I realized there is kind of an interesting bond you can make with people by sharing your dating disaster stories and yeah. they will relate. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I've gotten better at talking about myself, but I never, ever want to be like, God, he never shuts the fuck up. <laughs> you know, sorry about my language. But, you know, you're, by the way, you're a great interviewer. I don't know if anyone's ever oh, told you that. Hey, wait, I'm going to save that for the next 25 years of my life. <laughs> you said no, that. So I appreciate it so much. No, but you're, you're, you're really great. And I'm, I'm like taking notes on some things. If you're watching this podcast, he's doing some things that I think are very clever saying, Hey, you know what, Elvis, you are this, this, and this. I want to get to that in a minute, but right now let's talk about this. So you're like foreshadowing a conversation we're about to have in a few minutes. That's a, that's a, like a cool technique. I don't know if we should be talking. <laughs> are, we, are we letting people I was, see behind the curtain? I don't know. No, he's, <laughs> You're really oh my good gosh, at what you well, do. Thanks. No, that, that means so much. I've only been doing it uh, for, for a little bit. And I've been watching people like you and, and trying to get into this stuff. So it's been, you know, I've, I've had to listen to your two hour, you know, it was like the on-demand episodes that I would have to listen to. Because, I mean, New Yorkers, we don't just drive around, right? You have to get on a podcast and get the on-demand. Uh, right. But, but to your point, I think that there's like, when you're trying to build relationships in general, like even us here, there's a specific rapport that happens in order for me to get, you know, an inter a good interview with you. And full transparency, I've said this many times, I always have a run of show sitting right here with an additional side of notes on the computer screen. And I take the Zoom call with Elvis and I just shrink it to the top of the screen. Oh, wow. And I'm, you so know, wait, and I, yeah. You, you prepare? Oh, 100%. <laughs> wow. What, and you can, you probably can appreciate this and, and you live this. You could prepare 25 fucking questions, research the hell out of Elvis Durant, and you still will never get to half of the meat of what you had researched. It's always good to have known, right? Or having had called your former publicist. Like, I just, I felt like there was things I wanted to know first. But as we start talking, I would have never gotten that story out of you about 9-11, right? Or 9-10 turned to 11. And then, you know, now you're starting to give us a little bit more insight as to how you don't want to be interviewed. Those aren't things that I could have ever prepared. So so first of all, thank you for saying that uh, because it allows us to get to know you better, which is the whole point of this podcast, to be honest with you. We've had several guys on the show who have the accolades out the ass and, you know, have been on stages here and, you know, been in movie premieres there. And, and, and it's always the best conversation, like what we're having right now when you don't like you could prepare, like you had said, but I don't ever go strictly off this run of show. It's always good to have something to rely on in case the person you're interviewing is asleep. <laughs> we yeah, all so have yeah. Yeah. I, a point. Um, two of my favorite interviewers of all time are Howard Stern and the late Larry King. I don't know. Mm. A lot of people don't aren't familiar with Larry King. He was an interviewer on CNN for a thousand years, whatever. And he'd been around for a million years, a thousand mm. million, whatever, whatever number you want to put in front of the word years. Yeah. Larry King would have a, a guest on every night. And I guarantee you, he only had one question to start the entire interview. I believe it. And then he would listen to what they said and their answer. And then he would respond by asking a question based on their answer. And that would go on for an entire hour. It's like playing tennis. They would just kind of yeah. rally and unbelievable. Howard is an incredible interviewer on a whole different level. Howard Stern. And this is my opinion. Some people may not like him. His interviews, but <laughs> in my opinion, when people go in to be interviewed by Howard, there's a level of nervousness. 
So they're on guard. They think Howard's going to say something and kind of embarrass them, whatever. So they're paying attention to Howard. Howard diffuses all of that and gets really, really down to the foundation of this person. And yeah. I, don't, I, I used to listen to Howard on the way home from work and they would replay his show. And I, I would sit in my, in my parking lot, in my driveway for mm. hours listening to his show after the show. His interview technique is just pretty incredible because he, he diffuses people's anxieties. Mm. And then, for instance, I, I'll get a, a note from a publicist saying, hey, artist is coming in. They're going through a tough breakup. The whole world knows about it. Don't bring that up. Also, they had, you know, they're going to court about this and this and this. Don't bring that up. Mm -hmm. So what I try to do is just make them feel so relaxed. They bring it up. They bring up mm -hmm. that stuff. And so, you know, look, like you've done a great job at making me feel really relaxed. I'll talk about anything with you. So uh, I think in interviewing people, that's that's important. You got to make them relax and they'll tell you whatever they feel mm -hmm. comfortable telling you sometimes. That's right. Yeah. And I think that's, ex I mean, from my little experience here, I feel like that's exactly what happens. And so much of it too, is, is knowing that you have the responsibility and the platform to make them as comfortable as possible. And then it, it'll go wherever it goes. But nowadays, I want to ask you this though, especially since you're in media. And if you're listening right now, you can probably attest to this if you're on Twitter, or Instagram every single day. But if you think about all of the noise that's out there with the headlines, the exclusives, and I mean, I'm good friends with Pete Weber, who is the former bachelor. And it's like, every time I see a headline of him, it's just a random article from our friends at these entertainment outlets. And so I'm like, why are, what are we doing here? So when you think of like you storytelling or you know interviewing folks especially on the radio show is it have have you ever gotten confused about whether or not you wanted to just grab the exclusive or just like hype up what was happening do you know what i mean like instead of just actually trying to have a conversation and get something that maybe no one else is saying well you know and we we're talking before we started the the podcast here we were talking about my publicist stephen levine yeah who i and i'd never had a publicist before i hired him away from a from a uh, an agency and he was he worked for me solely for me yeah. his job was to come in and help with artist relations get the artist in to interview them but also bring in uh an extra or entertainment tonight whatever oh, sure with yeah. with cameras on the side so when the artist would come in we would talk to them and then we'd also interview them for them whatever mm. and, and also at the end of the interview he would type up all the headlines and send them out hoping we would we would get run yeah. Oh, well, you know, Joe Jonas was on with Elvis Duran today and he said, oh, my God, can you believe he said this? And it got to the point where I'm like, I don't want to chase headlines. I don't, that's not what I want to do. I, mm. I don't I don't need to I don't need to feel relevant because I'm being picked up by all these these mm. news organizations because I got a headline from Joe Jonas. Mm. I don't need it. I don't I don't want it. And so you see that, though. So a lot of times you'll see artists being. Uh, what do you want to say? Taking advantage of sure, because an interviewer somewhere pushed them into a corner and got them to admit something that they probably shouldn't be talking about. Mm -hmm. I never want to do that. You know, I never yeah. want to pull a salacious interview on someone. It's just because I want them to come back. You yeah. know? And I don't. And besides, they get the headline. I don't. Just because it yeah. says on oh, Elvis Duran show, that doesn't say anything. Right, right, right. The reason I ask that too is because as people start stepping into journalism and media, a lot of times there's that discrepancy of whether or not, you know, you could imagine a red carpet. So say you're walking at a gala and I wanted to interview you. This is like two years ago now. Uh, 
it, it was always like the publicist would stand there and be like, nah, we're good, right? Or like you, specific, based on the outlet and who they have the relationship with, which is like phase two of what you just said. You know, you have the one thing about making people feel comfortable in a relationship. Then you have the other part of it, which is, can we keep this going? And for how long? Because the industry is small. And as you continue to grow and, you know, in general, especially with artists, if, if one person takes off today, odds are they're still going to be pretty relevant later. And if you want them back on your show or my podcast or whatever, a lot of that's relationship building, sometimes just with the publicist, sadly, but like also with the talent themselves. Um, but but again, anyway, for, the, for that insight, thank you, because I feel like a lot of people don't even bring those things up in general, because it's just like the hidden the hidden conversation no one has uh, in terms of how these conversations get stirred. So if you're listening, that was a whole educational segment I did not expect to have with ED over here. So, you know, but do you think there's ever been one thing I want to, I want to move on here with you. There's one thing that you've stayed true to about yourself could be something tangible. could be something that you just remind yourself of that you've held on to all these years. You know, there is, and there's, and there's a problem with it. There's an issue. There's a challenge. Mm. Uh, my number one, number one foundational headline is be authentic. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, my authentic, I'm always rediscovering. It's changing. What I thought was my authentic self two years ago is not my authentic self now. Mm. So I, you, you have to stop down every once in a while and try to remember, like, who am I? <laughs> like, what, what is it about me that's so important of, about me? What do I need to be? taking stock in today mm-hmm. so be, I, being your authentic self is so important especially in this day and age where people have their bs detectors on and they know if you're full of crap or not and i think that's it be be you i mean because no one else wants to be you <laughs> it's like <Nothing>. see, <laughs> you know that's so like, true as, as you've held on to that, then is, or is there people specifically in the industry or in your personal life that you keep super close that have kind of helped to, to, to reassure you that you've been able to stay your authentic self? You know what? Uh, several, but one in particular, his name is Dennis Clark. Uh, the funny story about Dennis was when I was doing mornings at Z100 in the very beginning of our morning show mm. life, uh, we weren't doing well. We weren't doing well in the ratings at all. And, and that's when corporate called and said, we're going to bring in a consultant. Mm. And that's when, you know, you're on the phone. Oh shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that means that means it's now or never. You got to, you got to pull this, you got to pull this around and make it work. Yeah. So Dennis came in and he really, really gave our entire show a lesson on being your authentic self. Mm-hmm. And don't don't do things on your show that aren't you. Mm-hmm. You know, just because it works, it's a formulaic bit or whatever that works down the street doesn't mean you do it. It may not work for you. Mm-hmm. And also, Dennis was great at fighting back at management that was telling us they wanted our show to sound a certain way. He would, even though they paid him, he would go to them and go, "No, no, 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 mm-hmm. you don't want that because that's not them." Yeah. And so Dennis Clark is still my best friend. We still work together all these years later. He's coming in again next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really is just a fantastic, like I said, friend I rely on for many reasons, personal and professional. But he's the one who actually taught us the, the value in knowing your role, mm. role, role building. We would sit in a conference room, maybe four of us on the show. Okay, Elvis, who are you? Well, I'm this guy. I do that. What are you famous for? Well, I don't know if I'm famous for it, but I love doing this. I love doing that. And, and we would do this, this role, uh, role building for each one of us. And he'd go, okay, here's who you are. This mm. is what your listeners expect of you. 
Don't do opposite of any of these things. Just go on there and give them nothing but these five benchmarks about who they want you to be and hmm. that matches up with who you really are and your authentic self. Mm-hmm. And my like, God, what an idea. You know, stay, stay in your lane, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the best advice I ever got as far as that. But, but make sure whatever you do while you're in your lane is the real you. It's not fabricated. Yeah. It's all authentic. Mm-hmm. So Dennis Clark is the answer to your question. Dennis Clark. Wait, <laughs> what about be, so, I mean, you said it, stay in your lane. And I think that I mentioned earlier about there being a lot of noise, not just with headlines and stuff, but I think in general, in today's time, there's just, it's so much, there's so much noise. How many people are trying to get away from their phones and how many people are trying to just make sure that they're not doing too much uh, and saying yes to too much. Do you take yourself as a yes, man? Uh, I used to Mm. go further with that. Give me an example. Give me, give me something to hang on. You are someone that I would imagine everybody's wanting attention from. So be it a meeting, a Zoom call like this that, that we blocked an hour for, or your friends wanting to go out for a drink, someone wants to take you to Broadway show, someone else wants to go, you know, so there's a lot of asks, I'm sure, that are being put in front of you. And so did you, and you, you mentioned it, you used to be a yes man, but when did that change? You know what? And this is one of those things I, I can blame it on because I'm getting older. Mm. The older you get, the less friends you have. And the less times you say yes. And, hmm. and I kick myself by not learning the power of the word no earlier in my life. Look, you know, a lot of people are afraid if they say no to things, they're going to lose out on future possibilities or sure. you know, opportunities. Or, and I'm like, well, I think my opportunities I'm receiving now are fine. I don't mm-hmm. have to say yes to anyone and everyone. When I heard that you wanted me to be on this podcast, for instance, mm-hmm. I said, well, let me go look it up. And I saw the quality of the people you were in, you were interviewing, and I wow. saw the way you're, and I heard the way you you were interviewing them with a very in a very respectful and curious way, and your story, you know, getting them to tell their stories, I think is mm. quite an art that you have honed, even though you may not know it, but yeah, I think you know it. So I could have, I say no to podcasts all the time, but yours was different. So I I did a little investigation, and so that's what I'm doing in life, and I want everyone mm. to do that. Before you say yes, stop and go. Well, wait. Do I really want to do it? Mm-hmm. And if I if I'm on the fence, let's see if I can get something out of it. Not only just sure. meeting someone new who's mm-hmm. going to ask me questions that are make me think about myself a little more. And you've done that as you drink out of your carton of water. <laughs> when, Wait, when, that, it's... when did water cartons become a thing? I know they're everywhere. <laughs> Some box the box. Box. <laughs> It's know, much man. better just... for the environment than plastic. So I applaud Thanks. you. Noah, listen, they just have a sustainability effort of planting a tree. I, I know the marketing friends. So I was like, hey, I want to try some of that out. Uh, thank you for, you You don't have to say all that. You're the best. I literally been watching you for so long. And, and I think I've learned a lot through you too, how you interview folks. And the reason I ask you, particularly when it comes to, you know, just I, not just around purpose, which you, I think a lot of people can learn from what you said with that, but it sounds like you're very intentional as the years have gone on. So where do you feel like, intention then has allowed you to bring out a better quality of your life. And what I mean by that is as you're researching the men of the hour before you came on too, it's, it's that, that energy and that intention it takes to, you know, to make a decision, I would think adds quality, not saying this podcast is adding quality to your life by any means, but I'm just saying in general, like there's something there that, that one could then lead to another. Would you agree? 
Absolutely. You know, and, and I'm not really a sports fan, but mm. there is this personality as far as intention goes. Uh, the quarterback throws you the ball. You have an intention. It's clearly at the end of that field and it's beyond that line, right? Mm-hmm. Under those, those, that, that the, the goalpost, that's your intention. How you get there is the game and who's standing in your way. What static is, is bogging you down? What uh, criticisms from people that don't matter mm-hmm. is, is making you stop and second guess yourself. The intention, you have to always focus on what your intention is all about. You know, my intention today in doing a podcast with you is I get to meet a new friend. Mm. I get to be asked questions by someone who knows what they're doing as far as questions go. Mm. And it actually makes me stop and think, okay, well, I never thought of it that way. And Mm. these are connections. This is a community. Mm. Community is always my intention in, 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 in succeeding at it. My intention is also cutting the riffraff out of my life. And it's, yeah. it's, as rude as that sounds, it's like, how many things do I do per day that are just not really moving me forward? How many people am I allowing into my circle that really are just kind of holding me back from having thoughtful time for myself to like think where I'm going in life? Mm. Intention is, is such a powerful word. I wish, I wish people really, really paid attention to intention. Yeah. The reason I ask again was what I was trying to get back to uh, later in this conversation with you that we kind of talked about at the beginning, which was literally just this idea that when you're not connecting with people, it's it's going to be really difficult to have any form of quality, I would imagine. And and the reason I say it like that is because when we uh, when we were discussing just a community build and how that's impacted the show in a positive way and how it's built the community of your your coworkers and your what I would call your work fam, you know, there there's so much there that it has to be intentional and you don't have to say it. And I want your thoughts on this because I take you as someone who's very open and honest. Cause as I'm drinking this box water, you've mentioned it. And I was like, oh, nobody else has mentioned on the show, but you know, as, as you are building, and I just, I love talking relationships with you because it's, it's the foundation, right? You had said community, that's all relationships. And it's, it's why you were able to open up the way that you did when you found out that talking about dating actually was a huge common denominator for maybe your guests, maybe the team, maybe the people that listen to you. And so back to relationships for a moment, when you think of letting someone know that you're intentionally trying to be their friend or that hey, I, I love spending time with you, or um, this is really working for the business. Let's let's keep going. Is there a specific protocol you would say to making sure the person is reassured that that relationship is being built at all? Well, it, that, it, it's, a, it's a mutual connection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can find someone who I find extremely interesting in life and go, hey, you know, let's be pals. Yeah. Let's, let's build a fortune together. Let's go out and eat. You know, they may not see the same thing in me. And it may not have anything to do with me. It may be where they are in life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I believe that there's an underlying current that connects us. It's a, in, 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 to use an old tired example, there is a, a root system between the beneath the forest that connects all these trees and where they actually mm-hmm. communicate with each other through their roots, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they have community, they, 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 they serve community that way. I think we as human beings are the same way. I do think there is an electricity that bounces back and forth between people. Either it's there or either it's not. Mm. You know, relationships, you know, we have relationships. This is another way to look at relationships. We have relationships with everything. I have relationship with food. I have relationship with money. I have relationship Mm. with my house. 
I have a relationship with my husband, with my dogs. I have a relationship with my car. I have a relationship. We, we have these relationships. And so it's, it's about being aware. Mm. There, there is a meaning. There is, I'm coming to a point, believe me or not. We need to be more aware in this world. If you're walking down the street and you're not aware of this really cool uh, flower that's growing in this flower bed over mm-hmm. here, you're not aware of this beautiful park with these ducks and these geese. You don't take a moment to kind of look at them and be aware of them. To be aware of anything in life, mm-hmm. you have a relationship with it. Yeah. It's the same with people. I, if, if I just walk past you on a city street with 10,000 other people, there's no relationship going there. But if I stop down and think, my God, this guy drinking the boxed water, walking down the street, he's a person. Mm-hmm. He, he has parental stories, I'm sure. He has stories mm-hmm. about his schooling and people he's dated. You, know, you have to add value to people and understand mm-hmm. that they have value other than skin and bones walking past you. That's the beginning of a relationship. You may never go further than that, but you have started a relationship with a total effing stranger. Yeah. Now, go past that you become curious about that person hey you you with the boxed water come here you look familiar i've seen you somewhere who are you Mm. oh i do a podcast and this oh we now have a relationship Mm. because i was aware of you i connected with you and now we are now on the launch pad to take off to outer space or we may fizzle and never talk to each other again yeah but being being aware of people helps set your intention on what do you what do you want the future with that person it's all interconnected and i know it's mm. kind of a heady thing maybe i'm not everyone's understanding it mm. but i don't know I, th- yeah. I think we walk we walk by possibilities and don't recognize them every day because we're not living a life of being aware of other beings and other things mm-hmm. and you said it is that's the nail on the head right there when you walk pass and you you don't see the uh, the possibilities i would say opportunity but it's not always gonna be an opportunity maybe it's a possibility to maybe just make someone else your new friend and that's why i think that's why i love elvis duran because that's so special of a person to be able to 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 settle with that your whole life or most of your life whenever you figured that out. when did you start realizing that that was you, you know you wanted it to be was aware of people it was late in life, you know, it was after a bad relationship. And I realized that, that I, I remember sitting here thinking my life is sucking ass. I hate life. Mm. I, you know, I, well, I don't hate it. It's just, I've been, my life is colorless and tasteless. I have nothing going on. And I realized at that minute, at that moment, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm a good guy. I kind of like me. And then I, I ran to the, I ran to the bathroom. I kid you not. I looked in the mirror and I looked at myself and said, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. And, and, I started laughing like I'm doing now because it was such a stupid but very important moment in my life. Mm. And that was not that long ago in answer to your question. I, I feel like a schmuck because I didn't start learning these things earlier in life. But what's done is done. No regrets. You know? Yeah. No, I get that way. That's so funny. You, you're so goofy in the best ways. Has, <laughs> I mean, did you grow up this way? Is that always been part of your DNA? I... I come from a, an interesting family. My dad was always a fun storyteller. My mother mm-hmm. was very prim and proper, and but very respectful for other people. I, I lived in a, a Southern family full of denial. We never talked about family skeletons. We, you know, uh-huh. it, it's still difficult challenge for me sometimes to to talk about things on an emotional level, unless you know I I come to the brink of total destruction. But but I'm getting better at it, and I I, I don't think it really matters as much when you discover it's good to be aware of people and understand yeah, you're in right. 
I think it's just better to recognize you have it and it's on board now. You're now wired with it. It's now a part of your DNA, as you say. And take yeah. the ball and run with it. Sports analogy. Sports. <laughs> hey, and take yourself as not, as not a sportsman. And we got two examples right here on this very show. Wow. We're, we're inching closer. We're like to, to, to the final minutes of this podcast episode with you, Elvis. And uh, if you're listening again, you could have stayed on any other show. And the fact that you were able to hear this raw version of Elvis, I take this as the raw Elvis Duran, to be honest with you. Uh, and, and I'm so grateful for it. I want to ask you one final question and then I, we're going to get to all the final announcements and projects. I want at least, you know, what you're excited about, you know, as, as you continue your career, but this final question for you, you said you drank coffee at the very top of this, when I asked you what your day to day was and that you walk the dog, you know, and that you get up and, and then you start your day and it typically starts at 6am. So my question for you is, it has to be the most important one, you know, are you putting milk in your coffee? And if, if so, is it almond or oat? <laughs> I don't put anything in my coffee. <laughs> Nothing. I, so, I, sometimes I'll put an ice cube in there to get it down to a little more tolerable temperature. What kind of question is that? Jeez. You were doing so well for 53 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> uh, wait, hold on. That's the real question for you. <laughs> no. Wait, I like we... Black. I might listen. I don't know how, and we could talk about this offline, but I also, I'll do it black and I'll throw like one little ice cube in there and I stopped putting milk in it too. So that's why I was curious who, who's still putting milk in their coffee. Cause it only makes a lot of people. Fast. I have friends who drink milk with a drop of coffee. Like yeah. our, my producer, Nate, it's yeah. pure cream with like a little bitty Brown dot in the middle of it. That's his coffee. I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? So <laughs> people that wanted a little bit of cereal with their milk. Right. Uh, exactly right same type of folks okay the real question the real last question for you elvis what do you elvis duran want to be remembered for after everything we just covered in the past 54 minutes oh the legacy question i actually have an answer for this uh all i want all i'm asking for <laughs> in remembering me is and after i'm dead and gone and i'm ashes spread all over wherever they're spreading my ashes i want someone to go hey remember Remember we used to ride to work together every day. We listened to that show with mm -hmm. that guy, with those people. Remember? Yeah. I like that show a lot. That was great. What was his name? Mm. I don't know. Let me Google it. That's the legacy I'm going to leave behind. Yeah. That's it. I don't, I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not curing cancer. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing brain surgery. Mm. I just want someone to remember that we were a part of their lives that they enjoyed mm. for maybe 10, 15 minutes a day. And that's it. That's the only legacy I'll be happy with. It's, mm. it's cool. If you heard all of that, you uh, probably got cold just down your spine like I did, because here's what I say to you, Elvis, and you can knock me later for saying it. You also mentioned that you have a chemo crew of people that drive to work to yeah. go to chemotherapy and they listen to you and they engage with you. And I'm going to combat what you said, although you're not curing cancer, you are a part of their recovery and their experience to hopefully get through cancer. So I have to tell you that because that's exactly why you are uh, coined what I would call a man of the hour, but most people would just say you're super successful and everybody loves you. And Elvis, I can't thank you enough for you know spending the last 
56 now minutes with me almost hour again y'all i literally blocked off an hour and i'm glad you didn't shrink it to 30 or 15 because you're so busy and i really uh if you listen to this i hope you enjoyed this conversation and and really learn something from it so elvis thank you by the way i i'm not that busy <laughs> to be <laughs> honest <laughs> Well, listen, all right, we're going to go into round two, everybody, for the next hour. So we're going to keep Elvis right here on the Zoom call. People, I mean, people say, and I guess, I don't know, it's very nice that people assume that I'm really busy. To, I'll look at my calendar. What am I doing today? I'll tell you right now what I'm doing today. There we go. I have a podcast at 10 a.m. It's called Men of the Hour. <laughs> and then at four o'clock, we have a Microsoft Teams meeting with iHeart Digital, which I'm ugh, not looking for. <laughs> But between now and then at one o'clock, I have an interview. Oh, they're asking me questions about my friend Bethany Frankel because they're doing a cover story for her for, I think, Inc. Magazine or something like that. Mm. That's my day. That's, That's your my day. entire day. I've got dogs to walk. I was just going to say. <laughs> I, I may. I don't know. I, I, you know, uh, 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 Pam and Tommy is playing on Hulu. I may have watched some of that. That's it. I'm glad you can do those things. You've gotten to well, listen, and then you got plenty of time to work on every other angle of Elvis, it sounds like, too, and enjoy the family and the dogs and and the coffee with with no milk. So <laughs> I'm milkless. <laughs> Elvis Durant, thank you seriously so much for this entire conversation and trusting me with it. That hour went by extremely fast. Thank you. Thank you for asking such in, in, incredible questions. I'm thank you for making me think today. Oh. I was ho hopefully I won't think tomorrow. <laughs> so I got it. <laughs> I got, I got it all out of the way today. <laughs> You're the best. Hey, it's Justin again. And before you exit this very episode, wherever you're listening, I want to say thank you for being here. I hope you learned something new and are leaving more inspired by the conversation you just heard. Men of the Hour is also on Instagram and YouTube at Men of the Hour Podcast, where you can find all of our video sneak peek exclusives and full episodes. Be sure to follow and subscribe and do all those great things so that we can stay connected. And right before you jump, I would love to hear from you if you would put a rating and review right here where you're listening. Until next Monday, continue taking care of yourself and building the best possible life. <laughs>